0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: Guys, we're halfway through a series where we're talking about the whole issue of really asking the question does god care that is a question that every one of us here is going to struggle with not just one time in your life but many times in your life because the reality is especially as you get older life will throw stuff at you that you don't expect it'll come from i mean you know i mean think about it man you know like I've got teenagers, and I'm learning with them. But it's also causing me to remember back when I was a teenager, and I remember, you know, remember when you graduated from high school and all of this stuff about, oh, it's right in front of you, and blah, you know, and you're going to do it, and and, and all of the speeches and stuff, and the encouragement. It's you're going to take the world. Remember all those? The, that was half true, not even true. Like for me, I remember a guy that I I went to school with, I called him Meatball. I think three weeks after we graduated, he got killed in a motorcycle accident. Nobody tells you those things. That life is hard. That there's pains. See, we want to be idealistic. We want to say, oh, everything's going to be wonderful. And the Christian church today really propagates that kind of message. That everything's, you know, if things aren't wonderful in your life, there's something wrong with you hogwash. That type of attitude is not normal. We are in a rough world. Now, the problem is, is here's the struggle, and I've got two points I want to show with you before we look at our passage. The struggle with is, okay, we live in this rough world, we live in this culture that is difficult, where, where things get messed up, where we mess things up. And here's what it is. Number one, we find it difficult to cope. We find it difficult to cope. You know, I was listening. I listened to NPR when I can, and one of the things I was listening to was they were talking about the drug trade in our in our country today, and they were talking about how Mexico is a serious conduit into our to, your, to our in our into our states. And the, what I want to point out to you is that they said that it is into the billions of dollars of drugs that are pouring into our country. Now, before you sit there and say, "Oh, well, that's so terrible. Why in the world?" Are they-? Folks, they're doing it because it's called economics. People here are buying them. Why are they buying them? I can tell you one reason they're buying them. It's called coping. Here's the thing. We find it difficult to cope. So the next point I want you to see is that our coping mechanisms are destroying us. See, when we go through difficult times, if we don't know how to properly cope with them, if we don't cope with them the way God wants us to cope with them, we're going to seek co- coping mechanisms of some type to help us to deal with them. So, for somebody, it might be alcohol. I mean, just stop. I'm going to go through a list of them. I, I don't want you to sit there. To, the number one response to the churches is, "Oh, that's terrible," and and they're no. Let's let's drop that pretense. Because every one of you here has a coping mechanism. Some are manifested in destructive behaviors, but yours is also destructive. It's just maybe acceptable. And so for somebody it might be alcohol. For somebody it might be drugs. For some of you it might be cigarettes. And I know that because there was a time when I smoked before I became a Christian. For some of you it might be food. That seems to be the acceptable one with us. For some, it might be work. For some, it might be a hobby. And so a lot of you are learning to cope right now. You're frustrated because it's raining, but your coping mechanism is maybe a tree stand and seeing it come out of the woods. For some of you, it's chocolate. See, we all have our coping mechanisms, don't we? The reality is, is that... Sooner or later they take over and they destroy us. The reason is, is that we don't know how to cope. I mean, think about it. You, you've been through high school. Some of you are in school right now. Nobody, nobody gives you a class. This is how you cope with life. In fact, you know what? I've, I've been a pastor now. I've been preaching now. I realize this. first time I preached was in 1989. So I've been preaching now 22 years. I've been a believer now since 1985, 26 years. I don't remember too many times where they talked about what the Bible says about dealing with the world in which you live in. But it does say some things. In fact, we're going to spend the next two weeks talking about it because especially in this passage right here he's going to talk to us about coping and he's going to talk to us from his own life that's the Apostle Paul as he struggles as he deals with this issue of going through a serious issue in his life a serious problem. Because we want to know how to cope. So let's look at what he says here. Look with me. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says. Look with me at verse 7. We're just looking at four verses. But they're four powerful verses. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly would I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. First of all, folks, I want us to look, we're going to take these four verses and basically knock, break them down into two passages. We're going to talk about the nature of suffering. We're going to see what the Bible here, what Paul says about his suffering, so we see from that the nature of suffering. And then we're going to talk about the grace to cope. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at the fact that God gives us grace to cope. Now next week we'll talk about another aspect of coping, but we're going to talk about what Paul says here. So let's look at, first of all, the nature of Of suffering, the first thing I want you to notice about suffering is this: it strikes at our pride and self-sufficiency. Verse seven, it says, "Lest I be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me." Here is the apostle. He's, he's. I mean, you would think that the writer of half of the New Testament, and he's written half of the New Testament, influenced the writing of possibly two or three other books in the New Testament. You would think the guy who's been on missionary journeys, started the Gentile church, that everything would be going wonderful and great for him. But you know what? All you got to do is read the book of Acts and you realize it isn't going great for him. In fact, in this passage, he reveals to us something even deeper than that. what the book of Acts tells us about him. He's got some kind of a problem. And Paul immediately recognizes that he's suffering because it strikes that, first of all, his pride and his self-sufficiency. You know what? Number one reason why we don't like suffering. It, well, number two reason. Number one, we don't like it because it isn't good. It doesn't feel good. But number two reason, we're not in control. Have you noticed that we're control freaks? Look at your neighbor and say to them, you're a control freak. Now, some of you are going to enjoy doing that, okay? Some of us are more evident than others. But the reality is, is we do not like being out of control. And when suffering happens in our lives, folks, what happens here? We're not in control. In fact, that's what's so devastating about it. Because we try everything we can to deal with it and it doesn't work. Have you noticed that? In fact, a lot of times we make a bigger mess of it. And that's when we start getting into the coping mechanisms because we're out of control. So I can't control this situation. It's striking at me. How do I deal with this? And so then we revert to our coping mechanisms, whatever they may be. Alcohol, drugs, food, sex, work, hobbies, chocolate, whatever it is to deal with it. The reality is is that the nature of suffering, it strikes at our self-sufficiency and our pride. Here's the other thing. It tortures us emotionally and physically. It tortures us. Paul, I think, he doesn't tell us what his problem is. Scholars think it may have been an eye problem. I don't think it really matters what it is because he describes it in one way. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. Now let me just stop for a moment. Before you think of a thorn like one of the briar patches around here, some of you guys are in the woods right now, you're hunting, and you're getting to your tree stand or whatever, and you got to go. Sometimes you got to walk through the briars. And before you think of that little bitty briar that gets in your skin and that's an irritant, that is not what he's talking about. In fact, the word there, thorn, It's actually, in the original language, it's descriptive of an instrument of torture. It's actually, some scholars believe, the size of a tent peg. So what he's saying there is that there was given to him a thorn in the flesh, something very extremely painful in his life. Something that was torturing him. And that's really what the nature of the problems we go through, isn't it? It's it's something that tortures us, not just physically, but what? emotionally, and I would even add to it mentally. Suffering affects all of us in every area of our life, physically, emotionally, mentally. So that's what we see there. We see that it tortures us. But I want you to see there's another dimension here that Paul gives us. Look with me at verse 7. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. Notice what else he says here. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. What's he saying here? Suffering has a spiritual dimension. Suffering has a spiritual dimension. See, let me explain something to you. Because, you know, again, remind you, we live in a physical world where it's what we see and what we touch, what we taste and what we smell. But there's another dimension to our world that we don't see. It's the spiritual dimension. And in that spiritual dimension is is an enemy who hates you, who wants to destroy your life. And so very clearly from the Scripture, the nature of suffering, there is not just the physical dimension that tortures us, there's also a spiritual dimension, where Satan uses suffering to try to destroy us. And this is what Paul is saying here. It is a spiritual dimension. But I want you to notice something, verse 8. It's very clear. Our natural response is to cry out. Our natural response is to cry out. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. I want you to notice what he said there. Notice what he said and didn't say. First of all, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say in the passage, I asked God three times to take it away. He didn't say that. He used the word plead. What is that? That word reflects an emotional intensity on his part to ask God to take care of this problem. Some of you have been there. You were in such a desperate situation. Somebody you knew maybe had the key to get you out of that situation and you just didn't go up to him and say, well, you know, if you really have a chance, if you're really not busy right now, do you think you could take care of this? No, you went up there and said, I need you to take care of this now. Get me out of this situation. The passage tells us he cried out. It's only natural for us to cry out. Now let me just stop for a moment. I've got to make a point here. We're talking about the issue of coping. Listen to me, folks. We do a disservice to people when we tell them to snap out of it, to suck it up. God didn't wire us that way. He wired us to express ourselves. And we may live in a culture where you're supposed to suck it up and you're supposed to be John Wayne and Clint Eastwood and everybody. But really, can I be honest with you? It's going to come out some way. And so it comes out in another coping mechanism. So when there's pain, you react. You cry out. This is the dimension of suffering, our natural response. So then I want you to notice how God responds to him. So he cries out. Look with me at verse 9 and 10. And he said to me, he's talking about God speaking to him, or Jesus speaking to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly would I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. When I am weak, then I am strong. We're going to see three things here. First thing is not so much right out of the text but it's an implication of the text and that is God doesn't promise to take away suffering folks remember I told you told you this last week told you this the week before there's an assumption in the Bible the assumption of the Bible is you're going to suffer what this passage tells me and I need you to understand this because this is where we have a hang-up this is where we wonder does God care See, we understand, okay, I grasp that the Bible assumes that I'm going to suffer, but many of us operate under the assumption that God's supposed to take it away from me. Because remember, we operate under the lie that says that God wants me to be happy. God wants us to have joy. Joy, again, is different than happiness. Happiness is a feeling. It's fleeting. Joy is a state of mind, even in spite of what you're going through. And the reality is, listen here, what he's saying to us, here's Paul, here's the Apostle. I mean, if you can't think of anybody who's a super Christian, it's the Apostle. He's saying, take this problem away from me, not one time, but three different times. And I want you to notice what God didn't say. He didn't say, okay, Paul, I'll take it away. There's no promise of that. There's no promise in the Bible that God's going to take away our problems here. There's a promise that he'll wipe every tear and take every problem later. But he doesn't promise to take it away now. So you say, okay, George, we're back to the same problem again. Well, how do I deal with this then? If he's not going to take away my problem, how do we cope? Look at what he says in verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Here's what I want you to see. God's grace is sufficient for our needs. God's grace... His favor, His strength, His presence is sufficient for you. He didn't promise to take it away, but He said, I'll be there with you. It's sufficient. You know, I, I've, you know I'm pretty transparent sometimes about my life, maybe too transparent. And I, 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 re, I shared with you in my first church, that was really a learning experience for Lori and I. I grew up there. And I remember that last year that was the roughest year of the of the four years that we were there. Every night Lori and I talked to each other. We either talked to each other or talked at each other, but every night we talked. And I remember there in Angus in Ontario. After we would talk, I would say to Lori, "You go, you go on ahead to bed. I'm going to I'm going to talk and pray a little bit. I'm going to talk to God and pray a little bit." And so, and I would pray. And I would pour out my heart and say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. I thought you called me to this church. God, why, You know, I, I want to see this church. In fact, I have a journal that I found downstairs. Even four weeks before we really felt that God told us it was time to leave, I remember I wrote, in my, I wrote my prayer out, God, give me wisdom to know how to guide this church to be all that you want it to be. So it's not like we wanted to leave. But here's what I want you to understand. Even in my pleading and asking God, God never told me what was coming down the pike. God never took away the problem. In fact, it seemed to get worse. But I will tell you what He did do for me. He gave me strength and grace for one more day. There's a passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 that says, Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, Paul's saying. But in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Make your requests known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, He didn't take away my problem, but He gave me grace and a peace and a strength. See, God's grace is sufficient for our needs. And here's what I want you to see. God's strength is found in our weakness. It's when you come to the end of yourself that you find His strength for your life. Because remember what I told you, suffering does it removes the self-sufficiency, suffering strikes at our pride, we're not in control anymore, and when we come to the place of saying, that's it, Lord, I'm done. You give me strength. Over and over in my life, when I came to an end of myself, when I recognized my weakness, did His strength come in and give me through that? Over and over. So you've got to come to the end of yourself because His strength is manifested when you recognize you're weak. But the problem is is we don't like to recognize that we're weak, do we folks? Because we're in what? Control. That's God's grace. That's God's grace. You say, okay, George, how does He expect me to cope then? You rely on Him. He gives you the grace to cope. And let me explain something to you There's nothing more satisfying. You know, I used to smoke. I remember what it was like smoking. And boy, I remember those feelings. And I remember the satisfaction. But I'll be honest with you, it was only momentary. Only momentary. God's peace is not momentary. God's peace is... God's grace is not momentary in fact there's a picture of it in, in, of grace the word, the way the wording is in Ephesians chapter 1 it's, it's almost like grace upon grace it's sort of like the ocean you ever, how many of you like going to the ocean I like going to the ocean love going to the ocean love getting in the ocean I don't love thinking about what's in the ocean I just love going to the ocean and one of the things I love about the ocean is the waves have you noticed the waves They keep coming they never stop That's the picture of grace. God's grace is like the waves of the ocean. It's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace for your life. That's how we cope. But let's be honest, that's the last place we look for, isn't it? When we are going in the midst of it because we're in control and, and we'll settle this thing and, you know what, I'll just go out and go hunting or I'll just go out and spend more time at work or I'll go have a cheeseburger. The first place we should go is God. God, I know you're not going to take this from me. If you can, that'd be great. But I need your strength right now. I need your grace. I need your peace to get me through this. Folks, He will give it to you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about because you've walked with Him so long now. You know, but you know what? We don't talk about it with anybody else. We need to start talking about it with other people because we're all asking the same question. How am I going to get through this? And folks, it's not a pat answer to say, Jesus will get you through this. It's okay, George, how do, how do we take what you've applied and how do you've shared and how do we apply it to our lives? Well, one question and two thoughts. Number one, how do you react to suffering in your life? How do you react? How do you cope? I mean, we can phrase it this way. How are you coping with suffering in your life? What's the coping mechanism that's in your life? Is it alcohol? Is it drugs? Is it sex? Is it food? Is it a hobby? Is it chocolates? What is it? What is the coping mechanism? It could be anything. For some of you folks, ladies, it could be your kids. They're your coping mechanism. So what are you going to do when they grow up and they leave then? Your coping mechanism is gone. What's your coping mechanism? For those of you who it's your work, what are you going to do one day when they give you the pink slip? And don't act like that doesn't happen. Happens a lot around here, doesn't it? And if it's a fix, the reality is it's never like the first time. See, we can't cope. In fact, what ends up happening is it destroys us. It destroys us. How do you react to your suffering? Here's the second thing. It's okay to cry out to God. You know what? You know somebody here is operating under a false pretension, and you got it from church. So let me first of all apologize to you, as a pastor, that somebody misled you. And what do you mean misled us? Well, somebody somehow you got the impression that it's not okay to cry out to God, it's not okay to complain to Him, it's not okay to cry out and to be frustrated and to be hurt and upset. Somebody told you somewhere along the line that good Christians don't do that. Well, I'm going to be honest with you, that's a lie. It's okay. There's a whole book in the Bible called the Psalms that's filled with page after page of what? Crying out to God. God, where are you? God, why aren't you doing something about this? God, my enemies are going to take me. God, where are you? Have you forsaken me? Folks, it's okay. It's okay to be real. See this but this is the problem isn't it we're so used to church where everybody's fake we're so used to church where we're supposed to keep the stiff upper lip no it's okay be real you know in fact you know as a pastor sometimes i talk to people i i get i get involved in situations sometimes with families and there'll be one family member and they'll be irritated and angry at god and they'll express it and the other family member is a Christian, and they'll make it, oh, you can't say that, you can't... No, let them be real. What we're communicating is Christianity tells us to stifle our feelings is what we do when we communicate that way. But the reality is, is that it doesn't communicate that. If anything, it communicates you being real and expressing what you're really feeling, because how else are you going to connect with the real God of the universe? So, number one, how, how are you... How are you reacting or coping with suffering in your life? It's okay to cry out to God because here's the final thing: find your strength. Find your strength in the grace of Jesus. Find it. You say I have been and I can't find it yet. Well, I'm going to give you a promise. Here's a promise for you. It's from Hebrews. Hebrews says this: Hebrews 11, chapter 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, now here's what I want you to see, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's going to give you the grace, but you got to seek him. There's something a whole lot... You, know you know what it's like here? Let me give you, give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. What moves your heart more is to have a note left for you from someone you love saying, oh, if you get a chance, can you take care of this for me? Or to have that person literally come to you and grab a hold of you saying, I need you to take care of this for me. What's going to move you to take action? The note? You can ask Lori, they don't work. But you grab my face and say, I need you to do this. You got my attention. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I got your attention. All right. It's all in how you approach it. Some of you are just leaving notes with God saying, if you could kind of take care of this. Some of you need to seek His face. And say, I need you. And what does he say? I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. So seek him. Yeah, he's not. he probably isn't going to take away the problem, but he'll give you the strength to see you through it. And I already shared with you, man, there were many times that I said, but Lord don't let us go through this, don't let us go through this in this church and wanting it to happen and blah blah blah. and you know what he didn't take the problem away because he had something else in mind for Lori and I. And that was here. And in order for me to pass to be the pastor that I am now, I had to go through what I went through there. Do you understand? Now, do I ever want to go through that again? No way, buddy. If you folks start acting that way, we're out of here, okay? (laughs) I want to be honest with you, okay? But I'm just saying to you, He gives you grace, and He uses it for His purpose.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. this coming week.